0: We're going to be in, in Mark chapter 3 here in just a moment, so you can go ahead and be turning there. But while you're turning there in your Bibles, let, you know, our, our nation uh, we, needs prayer right now, uh, maybe more so uh, than we have even before. Uh, a lot of the things that are going on are just exposing the spiritual need of our country in so many ways and how we need to be impacted by Jesus. That's what the Gospel of Mark is about, is, is different people that are impacted by Jesus and and who He is and how He can change hearts and He can change lives. And that is exactly what our nation needs, whether it be someone who's uh, experiencing pain and uh, and uh, hardships and things may be put upon them because the color of their skin or because of the language they speak or where they were born. Uh, those people need Jesus. Or whether it be someone, on the other hand, who is who is violent and and is acting out in sin and in the flesh, they need Jesus as well. Or whether it be someone who is... Who's guilty of of racism or are judging someone because of the color of their skin or because of, of where they came from? They need Jesus as well. Our nation needs Jesus. And we have a responsibility. Uh, to take Jesus to the nation, to our nation, to the nations of this world as well. So let's keep that in mind. Of course, with this pandemic, uh, some of our, our mission activity and, and uh, has been cut back in what we can do. But i tell you one thing we can do, and we can do this today, is we can pray for our nation and pray for the hearts of God's people uh, to soften because really that's what's going on here. Uh, this is exposing the greatest need of our nation is not a certain party in power. It is not just the the physical health needs that we have, but the greatest need is the spiritual need, a change of heart. And we need Jesus to change the hearts of the people of our nation. We need a heart exam, and that's what we're talking about uh, here this morning. In in, uh, Mark chapter 3, and we're going to look at at the different... uh, ideas, the different heart conditions that are revealed in this passage of scripture. Join with me. Um, uh, Mark chapter three, beginning in verse one, where it says, and he, of course the he is Jesus here. Jesus enters the synagogue again. And a man there uh, was there who had a withered hand. And so they watched him closely. Now that they are the Pharisees and the scribes that have been criticizing him, if you remember in chapter 2. They're watching Jesus closely, whether he would heal him on the Sabbath so that they might accuse him. And he said to the man who had the withered hand, Step forward. What a call. Step forward. Then he said to them, Is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do evil, to save life or to kill? But they kept silent. When he had looked around at them with anger, being grieved by the hardness of their hearts, he said to the man, stretch out your hand. And he stretched it out, and his hand was restored as whole as the other. Then the Pharisees went out and immediately plotted with the Herodians against him how they might destroy him. You see, we're headed to the cross. We're headed to the cross. But let's don't stop there. Let's continue reading in verse 7. It says, But Jesus withdrew his disciples to the sea, and a great multitude from Galilee followed him, and from Judea and Jerusalem and India and beyond the Jordan, and those from Tyre inside. And a great multitude, when they heard how many things he was doing, came to him. So he told his disciples that a small boat should be kept ready for him because of the multitude lest they should crush him. For he healed many so that as many as had afflictions pressed about him to touch him. And the unclean spirits, whenever they saw him, fell down before him and cried out, saying, You are the Son of God. But he sternly warned them that they should not make him known. And he went up on the mountain and called to him those he himself wanted, and they came to him. Then he appointed twelve, that they might be with him, and that he might send them out to preach and to have power to heal sickness and to cast out demons. Simon, to whom he gave the name Peter, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, the brother of James, who he gave the name Boanerges, that is, sons of thunder. Andrew, Philip, Bartholomew, Matthew, Thomas, James, the son of Alphaeus, Thaddeus, Simon the Canite, and Judas Iscariot, who also betrayed him. And they went into a house. A lot going on in these verses here, and I'm not going to go into all the details, but I do want to touch on some things here, especially what uh, the, the revelation and the conditions of the heart of these people that we see here. You know, when you, when you go to the doctor, there are certain things that you really don't want to hear. You know, if you've had tests or you go to the doctor, you certainly don't want to hear the doctor. And some of you have been in this situation where the doctor comes in and says it's cancer. You, you don't want to hear that. You don't want to hear the doctor come in and say we think it's MS. I remember the phone call we got back in 1999 when the doctor called and gave us that information that the test came back and showed that Missy uh, had MS. I remember being in the doctor's office, the ENT, that was doing some tests there and said basically, we think you either got MS or a brain tumor uh, and needed further testing there and how shocking that was. You also uh, don't want to hear the doctor come in and say, well, I'm sorry to tell you, but it's your heart. It's your heart that's causing uh, the problems there. But if it's true, if they diagnose you, especially if they say it's your heart, if they say it's cancer or even if, what you want to hear from the doctor is right after they say that, say, well, that's the bad news. But the good news is it's curable. And we can treat this and we can uh, correct this. Well, let me just tell you, listen to Dr. Doug this morning, okay? I just want you to know, looking at our nation, looking at us, the problem is our heart. It is the heart. But the good news is it is curable. And the great physician, Jesus Christ, can cure our heart troubles. He's the one that can fix it. And so let's look at this passage of Scripture uh, this morning. Let's look at the, the heart conditions that, uh, five heart conditions that are revealed in this passage. First of all, I want you to see the hard heart. The hard heart is revealed in these Pharisees as they're criticizing Jesus here. Look, first of all, in in verse 1, and look at how their attitude toward Jesus. In verse 1, he says, And he entered the synagogue again, and a man was there who had a withered ham, and they, that's the Pharisees there, they watched him closely, whether he would heal him on the Sabbath, so that they might accuse him. So they're watching him. What they're doing is they're looking for an excuse uh, to turn away from him. They're looking for something to accuse him. They're watching every minute detail here to see. And you see, they don't want to follow Jesus. But everything that Jesus is doing is good. Everything, I mean, he says he's got power to forgive sins, and they challenge him on that, and he says, well, watch this. Get up and walk, and a lame man gets up and walks. They see demons being cast out, and they, they don't want to follow Jesus. It would change everything that they had going. It would change their lives, and they don't want their lives changed. So they're looking for excuses Their hearts are are hardened against the work of God. They're denying the work of God so that they don't have to follow this Jesus. Anything that can make Him look bad, that's what they're looking for. And their hearts are growing harder day by day. In verse 3, Jesus tells the man to step forward and he, knowing their hearts, knowing what's going on, he makes a statement in verse 4 where he says, is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do evil? to save a life or to kill, and they kept silent. Verse 5 says, And when he had looked around at them with anger, being grieved by the hardness of their hearts. See, there it is. That's the condition of their heart. It is hard. The hardness of their hearts. That word for hardness is the, the Greek word porosis, and it, it has the idea. Uh, it is used oftentimes of a piece of marble, uh, uh, talking about a hardness that can't be broken. He's saying their their hearts are so hard they're not willing to be broken. There, it also can be used of callousness, like calluses on your skin or whatever. You know, when you when you develop those calluses on your skin, you can't feel uh, the the things. You can't feel what you're holding and stuff there because of the calluses. That are, are there. And so that's where they are. Their heart is hard and it won't be broken. They have these calluses built up on their hearts where they cannot feel the Spirit of God moving. And so it goes harder and harder, even to the point there in verse 6, what did they say? It says, the Pharisees went out after Jesus healed this man. It says, the Pharisees went out and immediately plotted, it, plotted with the Herodians against him how they might destroy him. They're already making plans to crucify him. And Jesus is just at the very beginning of his ministry. All He's done is heal people and forgive sins and cast out demons, and they're ready to destroy Him. Why? Because their hearts are hard. You know, sometimes life can be hard, and we can turn our back on Jesus, but just because life is hard, and just because things don't happen the way we want to, that doesn't mean that Jesus doesn't love us doesn't care for us and we're not careful even in church our hearts can become hard but notice notice Jesus here in verse 5 there it says that he he looked around at them with anger so there was some some righteous anger that was there he did they were being selfish and so he's it's not a selfish anger that he has but they he's he's angry at the way because They're hindering his work that is going on there, and he's trying to help people, and they're judging him. So Jesus, but notice it doesn't stop there. It doesn't just say that Jesus was angry, but it says that he was grieved. And you see, you can't be grieved if you don't care. So even in the hardness of their hearts, Jesus still cares. His heart is broken. And by the way, regardless of how hard your heart has become or how hard your, your family member's heart has become or how hard that friend of yours has become, Jesus still cares. And we need God, and He can, to break the hardened hearts. So there's the hard heart. There are also selfish hearts. And we see that exemplified in the, in the crowd uh, that is here. Notice, skip on down to, to verse 7 there. It talks about Jesus withdrawing there. And it says, and a great multitude from Galilee followed him. And it goes into all these other areas beyond Galilee. They're coming all the way up there to the sea. From Judea and Jerusalem and in and beyond the Jordan and, and those from Tyre inside and Sidon, even beyond Israel, they're they're coming, this great multitude to hear him. And it's and we always, you know, we appreciate the great crowds. I look forward to the day when we're packing this church out uh, again. And nothing wrong with the great crowds, but if it's just a crowd coming just out of selfish want and just wanting to see a show, then you're not really accomplishing anything. See, that's what was going on with the crowd here. Because later on, this is the same crowd who will be yelling, Crucify him. They're just at the surface level. And really, the only reason they're coming is to see the show or to get their own physical, personal needs taken care of. They're following, but they're not really following. You realize you can follow without following if your heart is not right. They're curious. They want to see the show. They want to see a miracle. There's no commitment that is there. And and many of them fall away. Matter of fact, Jesus addresses the crowd like this uh, in the parable of the souls. As he talks, three of the four souls that he mentions all fall away. There's those that the seed falls on the the path and the Uh, the birds come and and take it away. There's that seed that falls upon the the rocky soil and it springs up for a moment. But then when the heat comes, when when times get hard, it withers away. There is uh, the seed that is cast and the thorns come up and choke it out. And the thorns are the cares of the world. And so there are things, if our heart is not ready to receive Jesus and all that he has for us, there are things that can take that away. And that's where this crowd was. They were They were coming, but they were coming only for selfish reasons. They wanted the gift and not the giver. We talked about that Wednesday night and about seeking the favor and not the face of God. Matter of fact, in the Old Testament, when it talks about favor, may His favor be upon you, the favor of God. That word favor doesn't mean the hand of God. It means the face of God. May God turn His face toward you. It's talking about personal intimacy. And that regardless of what's going on, you may be in the fiery furnace. You may be in the lion's den. You may be in the belly of the well, You may be hiding in a cave from King Saul. But what we need is not just the hand of deliverance. We need the face of God with us. Are you seeking his hands or are you seeking his face? Do you have a selfish heart? By the way, the crowd that comes to him for selfish reasons, Jesus still helps. Jesus still heals. Jesus still cares. He does not push them away, knowing that in a few short months or years that they will be yelling, crucify him. But That's the heart of our God. And that's why we need more than selfish hearts. So there's hardened hearts, there's selfish hearts. There's also deceitful hearts, and I use the word hearts here, but you could put hearts in quotation marks because I don't know if demons really have hearts. That's what we're talking about here. He mentions the demons in verse 11. It says, and the unclean spirits whenever they saw him, they saw Jesus, they fell down before him and cried out saying, you are the son of God. But he sternly warned them that they should not make him known. So there's this demon activity as well. He's casting out these demons, these unclean spirits and yet they're, they're speaking. They are acting right. It says that they are bowing down before him. They're falling down before him. They're, they're acting right. They know what to do and, uh, and then they're saying the right thing as well. They're confessing the right thing as they say, you're the Son of God. That's true. So they're acting right and saying the right. But listen, this is the thing about it. We look at this and we say, Well, well, this these demons are even doing better than the Pharisees. Oh no, they're not. Because their hearts are deceived and they are deceiving. They are really being worked. It is one thing to say, I don't want Jesus. It's another thing to say, I do want Jesus, but you really don't. You see, if you're open and honest with the God about the hardness of your heart, He can break through, and He can break through the hard, hardest of hearts, but when your heart is deceitful and you're pretending to be something that you're not, then you are in far worse shape. And it takes a great work of God to cure the deceit and the lies. Of a heart like this, they're full of deception. You see, Jesus is the truth. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus, the one that said we must worship Him in spirit and in truth, not just singing the words of songs and not meaning it in our hearts, but singing out of truth. Jesus, the one that said the truth will set us. Three, saying the right thing is not enough. We need our hearts changed. We need to worship Him in spirit and in truth. Just saying it and acting it out will lead us to hell. We need a change of heart. May God change our deceitful, selfish hard hearts. Now that's the tough preaching and that needs to be said because these crowds are here. Now there's good news because there's two more hearts I just want to address real quickly here. First of all, I want you to notice the hurting heart. Go all the way back to the, the first of the chapter there, verse 1, where we see this man that has this withered hand. He's, he's hurting it says in verse 1, he entered the synagogue again. The man was there who had the had the withered hand. Now, what is a withered hand? We're, we're not real sure what that, that means. But here, uh, it is the idea of being withered actually means to be unable, to be paralyzed. This hand that he had, whatever was going on there, he could not use that hand. I don't know if he was injured in an accident. I don't know if he was born that way. I don't know if he was was missing uh, appendages or something like that, but something was going on and he couldn't use that hand. It was real. The pain was real. The inability was real. The handicap was real. He is really hurting there. And that may be where you are today. Maybe because you recognize the hardness of your heart or the selfishness of your heart or the deceitfulness of your heart, and, and your heart is what is hurting. And that's really what needs to be healed more than our hands or our feet or our lungs Or or our our physical being, our spiritual hearts are what really needs to be healed. And our spiritual heart is just as withered as this man. We are unable to help ourselves. And then along comes Jesus. This man is hurting, but he comes to Jesus. And with Jesus, he finds hope. He finds everything that he needs for the hurting that is going on. But notice his response to this hope there. He responds, Jesus says in verse 3, He said to the man who had the withered hand, Step forward. What he's calling for is faith. He's calling on this man saying, if you really want to come to me, if you want help, step forward. He gives him that call of faith. And faith obeys and steps forward. He does exactly what Jesus says. He he steps forward. He comes to him. And does what Jesus says and his response is one out of love. Do you see what's going on here? Jesus in love reaches out to him and is saying I'm ready to help you. And then the response of love back from this hurting man he does what Jesus says he steps forward and stretches out his hand at the word of Jesus. Love begets love. Grace begets faith. A response of loving grace leads to a response of loving faith. Are you hurting today? Jesus can heal your hurting hand or even beyond that, your hurting heart. He can. And then that hurting heart that is healed needs to respond and surrender. There's the surrendered heart that he mentions here. And we see that in these disciples. You see down in verse 7, he says, Jesus withdrew with his disciples to the sea, and then the great multitude came. So he's distinguishing between two groups here. There's the great multitude that came for selfish reasons. Then there's the disciples that came that were followers. And they are the ones that have the surrendered heart. They're the ones that are seeking after Him, and they're the ones that step forward in commitment. Look in verse 13, it says, And he, Jesus, went up on the mountain and called to him, those he himself wanted and they came to him and he appointed 12 that they might be with him that he might send them out to preach and to have power to heal sickness and to cast out demons and then it, it lists who those, those twelve are here. but they're the ones that step out in commitment they're the ones that are already with Jesus we've already heard about Simon and Andrew and James and John and Levi whose name is Matthew uh, as well how they left all and followed him. How he wanted them. He, he reached out in love to them. See how it's the same thing that is going on. Just like with this withered man. He reached out in love to them. They didn't have a withered hand that needed to be healed. They had a withered heart that needed to be healed. And Jesus reached out to them and told them to, to leave everything behind. To come and to follow him. And he would make them fishers of men and that's exactly what they did he called out to Levi out of his tax booth there and said come and follow after me and that's exactly what Matthew did he reached out in love he desired to have them he wanted them that's his love and they respond back with love to him from the heart it's a heart matter it's a heart issue Nobody loves us like he does, but we've got to respond back with our hearts, not just with our words, not just with our action, but with a heart that is passionate for him. A disciple means a follower. That's what they were. They followed with all their heart. They left everything they had, and eventually they die for Jesus Christ. That's how much they love him. That's what they think of him. They're not following for the money. They're not following for the healing. Matter of fact, of these men that are mentioned here, we don't read one word about any of them receiving any type of healing from Jesus. Not that they didn't need it or something, I, I don't know. But it just doesn't mention that. Why? Because that's not why they followed him. They followed him because he, in grace, reached out to them. They, in faith, came back to him and reached out to him. What were their qualifications? They had no education. They weren't perfect by far. far They were far from perfect. They didn't have any special abilities. Matter of fact, 1 Corinthians 1, Paul says there that God uses the foolish things of this world to confound the wise. These are some foolish men. They make some foolish decisions over time. But Jesus works with them. They weren't perfect. They were just surrendered. They just surrendered. And what did they get? I love what he says here. He says, he appointed the 12. And we, we, sometimes we want to jump right to the preaching and the healing and the casting out demons. Woo! Look at the show. But what does he say first? He says, he appointed the twelve that they might be with him. They might be with him. For three years, they were with Jesus. And then for the rest of their lives, Jesus and the person of the Holy Spirit was with them. Was with them. He said, guys, I've been with you for three years, but I'm going away, but the helper's coming. And I'll be with you, even to the end of this world. See, we don't have to be perfect. We don't have to know everything. We just need a heart for Him. We need God to change our hearts and a heart that desires to be with Him. I am so thankful for so many of you that have been saying, I can't wait to get back. And and what you're saying is my heart desires to be back in church. My heart desires to be with God's people. And may we have an even stronger passion today, even before we come back together next Sunday, to be with Him. To be with Him. That that is the priority of our lives. They just only want to be with Jesus. And Jesus just wants to be with him. Wow. What does this say about our hearts? Which heart condition do we have? Do we have a heart that is hard or selfish or maybe even deceitful? Or do we have a heart that's been healed and is surrendered to God? May God change our hearts and we need to be praying that God will change the hearts of our nation this is Doug Ferris and I'm blessed to be the pastor at Underwood Baptist Church thank you for listening to our podcast and it's our prayer that you'll do more than listen to a sermon or gather religious information we want you to encounter God and we pray that he will impact your life If you'd like to contact us, go to our website at underwoodbaptist.org and all our contact information is there. We hope you're blessed through today's message.